Hey guys, guess what time it is? It's creepy time. And that's exactly right. It is true crime and creepy time. Hey, creepers. Hey, creepers. I'm Rainy. And I'm Nicole. And thank you for joining us on True Crime and Creepy Time. Please, for the love of everything that is holy, please let this one go smooth. All right, Rainy. This is going to be our good show. No oogie boogies. We are prepared. No. Flies. Do we share it to the, to the group? We're actually in the oh, group. In you the should group. be able to be in the group. Danielle, already up on here. Yes, we're starting a little bit early because oh, boogie, boogie. we're early. in the group. Claire, of course, Claire's the okay, next one. Claire. Because we're starting early. Maggie's here because. We wanted to make sure that all of the nonsense that happened last week, all of the paranormal stuff that we couldn't explain, we didn't want that to happen this week. So we'll see. Mickey's here. Okay, so all of our creepers. Number one creepers. They're all are, here. Are all Yay. here. We'll, we'll wait for Chelsea to finish it out because... We have, let's see, I have upped my... Medicine? No, not my medicine. Well, I did get my medicine upped it. But I've upped my (laughs) Wi-Fi. We have mamas here. We have um, upped our Wi-Fi. You have staged. You have have staged. Palo Santo. Palo Santo. I've prayed. We've prayed. We don't want... We told everything to go to the light, everything and everybody. We, so, this, it's all going to be good. There's no... Oh, look who's up on here. Our favorite, <laughs> favorite principal. Mickey, Funky. We love you. Thank you, you, Mickey, for joining us. Because when Gazelle gets on... Gazelle's then, not on? Not yet, but I'm sure she's uh, coming. Oh, I saw her on... Facebook earlier. Oh, so it wasn't on the Facebook one. She's probably waiting for us because you know she's she's number one. She's she's making her leaps towards Gazelle. Right, Gazelle. Mama says we have to behave. Well, (laughs) Mama, (laughs) what does behave look like? You know me. That ain't ever going to (laughs) happen. She's probably like. Oh, Nikki says she's going to text Gazelle. Um, even with my principal and my mother, okay, my boss and my mother, you're still going to get the same old rainy. Okay. Yes. yes um, yeah. So. Mickey said, Malvina, this only encourages the behavior. This is right. But you know what? Nikki is such a brown noser because. Every time I'm being inappropriate and then Mickey says something inappropriate and then she sees that my mom's on and then she's like, Manny, I'm being good. Bitch, please. 
she knows, oh, I got to watch my yeah, mouth. Mama said, watch your mouth. Mama said, watch my mouth. And then she said, now don't say that I said to watch your mouth. <laughs> Shut your I, face. Channing loves us. The oh, little creeper. I knew, I knew that Chelsea would be up on here soon with our little, with our little Channing. We, we have okay. made several, um, improvements. We have. We've heard from, um, what our audience, from what our creepers have, have, have spoken. Spoken. And so we made some changes. And so hopefully this will be changes for the better. Because in what you think in about a week or two, we're going to be taking this public to start hitting sponsorships. I looked up yes. today, this morning, and we have 711 downloads <gasps> Yay! on our podcast that podcast. Is so cool. Yes. And, um, so we can start hitting, um, sponsors very soon. And thank you all so much for your support. We're talking about back since October, October when all this began, when all it began and we didn't know what we were doing, but you guys stayed and through the ins and outs and ups and downs and we're, we're just so grateful. So now, that we're um kind of getting a bigger following. Mm -hmm. We feel that we can we're marketable now. We're marketable. And we're gonna hit patrons. We're gonna try. And we're gonna try and start getting other people who don't know us, um, who but do who do love our podcast entire shows on Thursdays so that we can hear their voices as well. And you can catch our podcast on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Podcast, and wherever you listen to your podcast, just look us up, True Crime and Creepy Pop. And if we're not there yet, that's just because Rainy hasn't got approval yet. So some, some places, like, you need to have a certain number of episodes before they'll approve you. So that's kind of what we're waiting for. But I think in Stitcher and other things, we're good to go. So, but no, for real, thank you guys, because we couldn't be doing this. We couldn't be um, hitting all of this great content. We're always looking for ideas for shows. Yes. And any ideas or cold cases or cases that you would like us to talk about. And that's going to be another part for those people who want to start supporting us on Patreon, one of the gifts that you're going to get is to be able to um, tell us where the show's going to go. Tell us some cases that you would like to hear, and we'll put that in our rotation of cases. And Nicole and I um, have talked about doing some mini cases, like just kind of 30-minute cases, some mini episodes as bonus content for those Patrons who really want to, they love us and they want to help us and contribute more to us so that we can get some good content out. And I need to bring this back because I don't feel like the first time that it was brought around, it got. This is from one of our very special creepers. Um, Amanda Foray gave me this for teacher appreciation 
a week and it is fabulous. And I, it's one of my favorite true crime things that I have. And for those of you who are not on our live, this is, um, a tumbler that one of our creepers made and it says true crime queen and it's like in dripping blood letters and I love it. And what I would like to do is I want some of this, something like this to be our merchandise that we sell. Wouldn't you like one of these or in a tumbler that says true crime queen with your name? You'll be able to get these things. We have some t-shirts that are in yes. the works. Yeah. What did Mickey say last week that she wanted? She said that should be, oh, I educate. That's what I do. Mickey said that that should be on a t-shirt. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you guys, you know, we're on social media. So if you ever have, um, a case that you come across, you know, through your Facebook or once you hear on television, you can always, um, hit us up at true underscore crime underscore chat and that's for tiktok true crime chat and that's for twitter i don't remember the other one the email oh the email is creepers chat creepers chat creeper chat with an f creeper chat with an f at gmail.com oh so those are the three where you can but i mean hell most of y'all can just hit me up up at school. And guys, I'm sorry. I haven't <coughs> dropped an episode in like two weeks, but we've had a lot of turmoil just going around. Life just happens. I so I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise I'm going to get several of the episodes that we just had, um, done. I want to get the episode we had with Anna about yes, impasse. Yes, Y'all, that was so one. good. I want to drop that one. I want to drop Praveen's episode. I'm going to drop this one. From last week. And if I could get the nursery rhyme episodes or, as we like to call it, the shit show from hell. Yeah, because remember okay. last week? We're not trying to go back to that, but we may not be able to put it on the podcast. So when? technical difficulties. Yeah, like I, I normally do not have any technical difficulties when I go to flip it over to, um, to be able to edit it and, and put it as a, um, MP3 to give it, to drop it as a podcast. But you know, y'all, last week was so bad. It's like two and a half hours of craziness. If you go listen to the first part where people were saying it was scratchy and, um, they had um, static. Static and tapping. Sounds like Morse Somebody was trying to tell us something because it was like Does anybody Morse, know code. Morse code. Morse code. They can go listen to it. And then the next video, they had a guy talking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Then we heard the man talking. talking. And then, I'm not going to lie. I was kind of scared to go back and um listen to that through my headset because I thought like, the demon was gonna come and tell me something. So I ain't even, I ain't gonna lie. I was scared. I was scared too. I would have to go back and watch it. 
and just watching my face. So, oh, was, oh no. Chelsea oh, no. said, wait, which live was about the empath? Did I miss that? No, no, Chelsea, we did a live with me. We the, didn't do a live. We, we didn't, did a recording. Right. We did a recording with me, mm-hmm. Anna, and, uh, Nicole yes. because, um, Anna is a highly sensitive person and Nicole, we've already determined is an empath. And then they determine that Randy's an empath, that I have empathic tendencies. So it was a huge wake up call for me. And she's a straight up empath, people. Straight up. <laughs> Rainy. Yeah. Dietry. You heard it here first. It was like, well, she kind of talked about it last week, but it was like 10. Uh, Things that you do or that you feel. And I think I only missed one of them. <laughs> and so we think that because we were all together for a long period of time, me, Anna and Nicole, that we might have put all of that energy together, which is why the next day Nicole saw her. Spirit. spirit, straight up spirit. So we're going to do another test and uh, Anna's going to come around. I don't know if she's here. I haven't been looking. Um, oh, I haven't seen her no, yet. Mickey, we didn't open a portal. We just not at this time. take all the energy. Like if I was... There was a lot of good energy. Right. Like if I was a triple A battery... And Anna would be like a double A battery. And then Nicole, she the nine volt. I want to be the nine volt. When you put all of those together, you get a brighter light. And so that's what we did. We, we, a brighter light. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Light is, yeah, it's nothing bad. We didn't open any portals. We all have a relationship with God. Mickey, believe me, if I'm going to start opening portals, you going to be right there with me, boo. (laughs) Because I'm going to need somebody. We're going to need a meeting. Come to the portal. Right. We're going to need Mickey. We're going to need Danielle. We're going to need Maggie. I'm going to need Chelsea. No, Chelsea won't because she's going to bring the black eyed children. Remember, she saw them. (laughs) Chelsea don't say no. Chelsea may be sensitive too. For sure. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. All right, y'all. Okay, let me say this first. Today's episode, well, we wanted to do an episode for Pride Month. And I know we didn't hit it. We couldn't get it into June with all my daddy's surgery and Nicole out of town and this, that, and the other. Okay. You know, life happens, but we, ha- I had been looking for something and I found this case that I really thought needed to be heard, but I went into this case one way and I came out looking at it another way. So creepers, I want you when, when we start the story, um, most of us are teachers or come from a background. We have children. We're in education. And this one was really hard because while I want to go with the victim, mm. uh, 
You'll see. You'll yeah. see what, what, what I'm talking about. But it was really hard. I feel like I did a 360. So, but before we do that, do we want to talk about true crime events, current events? The true crime that I wanted to talk to, about is, here we go again, in the Uvalde. Hello, we, 4th of July, freedom, let freedom ring. Know what else was ringing? Gunshots. At a parade, Fourth of July parade. I just, I, I, I just can't. I just can't. Now, I believe that they found the suspect was in custody. Oh yeah, and he told them that he was he playing two of them. Get the guns out of these people's hands. Get the guns out of the people's hands who don't. I understand First Amendment rights. I'm not saying that. I want people to come and take our rights, but I don't understand why these kids or these crazies need to have AK-47 rifles. It boggles my mind. Oh, someone said the teacher union president in Terrebonne was there. Oh, Chelsea, at the parade, they were there. His and someone else said his dad signed for him to get the guns after he had a psychotic episode with the cops. Mom says, I heard today the police was called several times to his house. Well, boom, there you go. Those are three in- instances that this person should not have the ability to find guns. And he finds guns. And then he shoots up a, tr- a parade, which should have been a nice family outing to celebrate the mm. the liberties and freedom that we have of our of our country. Well, that goes right into tonight's episode because tonight's episode is also about a youngin who should not have had guns, but he. His grandparents had guns and uh, very big on the Second Amendment. And because of that, he found some guns and eventually bought, brought them to school. But, <sighs> yes, Mickey, you will probably need a tissue. Okay. Um, but there's so much to unpack in this. Yeah. Like I said, I went on, when I went, when I started researching, I thought for sure I knew exactly where I was going to land on either side of this debate. And I, I don't know. I don't know now because the more that I found out and the more that I researched, it was just a bad situation all along. And I really do think that. The adults, meaning the adults in both of these boys' lives failed them and their schools definitely failed them. Definitely. So let's jump right on it, right? I'm ready. All right. So this is the murder of Lawrence Larry King. Not old Larry King. This was a little... Little Larry King. And what year was this? Um, this was in 2008. 
And one of the things that I used for my case was a Newsweek article. And Newsweek describes this shooting as the most prominent gay-biased crime since the 1998 murder of Math Shepard. Now, we know who Matthew Shepard was. He was um, a gay teenager who was killed, strung up on some barbed wire, was kicked mm-hmm. brutally um, brutalized and tortured and then left to die in a field and that was in 1998 this was actually in 2008 so 10 years later but and and again we wanted to do something with with pride and when i first looked into this i was like oh you know they're saying that this little boy was killed for being gay so that's why i delve, dove into it <sighs> nothing is as it seems okay now before we start i want to address the idea of dead naming do you know what dead naming is nicole dead naming yeah hmm, no okay so dead naming is very disrespectful but it's when you, when a person transitions, and so let's say if I want to transition, and I am now a man, and my name is Rod, okay? okay. And oh, he, transition and like, oh, I thought you meant dead. Like when you no, transition to be dead. I'm no. sorry. And okay. people still want to call me Rainy. Even though I am a man now, I am. Oh, that's I go, what that yes. Yeah. So there's a lot of dead naming that is done on purpose because families don't want to acknowledge the fact that their child has, um, decided for an alternate lifestyle or. Because the original name is now dead. Right. But people, other people are still calling them, them by the other name. By their given born name. Okay, that's called. Wow, okay. This is what I do, Nicole. I teach. <laughs> I educate. <laughs> okay. So, um, so, and it usually people can accidentally dead name. Like, I, I, I did, I knew him as blah, blah, blah. So that's why I, I call him that. Um, and, but I wasn't sure. I did not want to be respectful in any way. And I wasn't sure if, um, by calling Larry, Larry would be dead naming. And so what I found, what I think the rules or it's okay to do, Larry was 15 years old and he hadn't transitioned yet. He was just um, becoming, getting the idea that he wanted people to call him Letitia well, one day it was Letitia, one day it was Latanya, one day it was Latoya. So he was trying out the names. Right. Which one was his name. Right. His new and name. So I don't think by referring to our victim Larry King as Larry is would offend him. But for those of you who are transgender or who are have battled this dead naming problem. I apologize. That's not, that's not at all what I'm trying to do. Right. I just, in order to tell the story, I okay. needed to 
So I needed to say that from the very beginning. He didn't pick a name. Right. So, okay. I'm trying to respect both sides of his life. Absolutely. We always want, we want to respect the victim and we want to respect the The culture that he wanted to become. Right. Okay. Now, this is a story of two children, and they both had two very bad upbringing. They both needed help. They both had an emotional time in their life, and it came up short. And it's so true what this attorney, one of the defense attorneys um, in the video, and I'll give you the video that I watched to, um, to research this project. And this is so true. And I'm sorry, Mama, but I got to cuss. She says this is from Robin Branson. And he's one. she's one of the defense attorneys. She said, every single adult just fucked up everything and at every step of the way and continues to. No one noticed for years and no one noticed this was a problem for years and years. And I really, truly, at the bottom of my heart, feel this. Because this was happening at school. And there were teachers that could have helped. There was administrators that could have helped. There was superintendents or policies that could have been... Many adults. Aided. That could help. And never did. And it just kept going on and on into a big snowball. And this is, as you all know, this takes, this is what Nicole and I do. Like we see this stuff every day. We see the these kids every day having problems, processing, having problems, coping with how do I feel about this? And we always say, love you, Miss Janice, but She's the only counselor at our school and we need so much we more. We need like 10 more. <laughs> and especially in junior high, because both of these boys were in junior high. Like, I feel like that's when you're becoming into your own and your hormones are raging and you just don't know. Your emotions are a clusterfuck. Yeah, like, right. So you like, don't even know. Right. And these, these kids grew up were in homes that weren't nurturing. Well, helpful. I'm not not nurturing. I'm sorry because I don't want to, you know, talk about anybody. But no, in this case, they weren't nurturing, and that's exactly what it was. And I just feel like if they had more people nurturing, nurturing them, that they were around that more. um, Well, and that that is a huge reason why Larry was the way that he was. So Larry Lawrence King, or Lawrence Larry King, we'll call him Larry was born in January 13th, 1993. At the time of his passing, he had just turned 50. And he was born in Ventura, California. And he didn't really have a great start in life. His life was pretty crappy, which we know because we see every day that you can see a student um, every day that's going to match somebody like Larry. I'm already thinking of two students and you know who I'm talking about as I go through this. Um, he didn't get a great start in life. Um, his mom had him when he was 15 years old and which happens to be the same age that Larry was at the time of his death. But she was addicted uh, to crack cocaine and alcohol 
His father abandoned both he and his mother. And in order to support Larry and his younger brother, whom she had another child, you know, because she's addicted to cocaine, um, she became a prostitute to, su- to support her and her two children, as well as her drug habit. Probably to support the drug habit. More than the two children. Than two right. So, after um, his mom had his younger brother, Rocky, um, when Larry was two, uh, the boys were taken away. And they were adopted by Gregory and Dawn King. Now, immediately, Larry was diagnosed with ADHD, which is so common with babies whose mothers did drugs. Uh, use drugs. Um, I mean, that, that's like the smallest illness that if your mom, if you were born, um, addicted to drugs, the, at least you're, you're gonna have ADHD. ADHD. But there was also a, uh, an, another, um, disorder that he was diagnosed with. This one was called reactive attachment disorder. And this is when the child fails to develop relationships with caregivers. So, like, he didn't um, attach enough to his adopted family. But here's the thing, and I've seen this before when I worked in Charlotte. From zero to he was two or three years old when he finally got adopted by Greg and Dawn. And that whole life he had to fend for himself. You know, babies cry to say, I need something. I want something. And his mom was probably not there. So he, he, it was a learned behavior from him by the time he went with Dawn and Greg that if I cry, nobody comes to happen. So how can you develop a relationship with, you know, we're talking about a lot of trauma happening in a short period of time those first couple of years of a child's development is the most important it will make or break them in the world as they as they grow now some other people will would describe uh larry he was really small he was really small i think he was only like five one I know a lot of the crack babies are small. <clears throat> and, and, and I think that's what it was as well. Uh, he was a sweetheart of a kid and one of his eighth grade teachers says he was a small kid that just wanted to be protected. Some of his friends described him as an active kid, always loved being around people, laughing, smiling. He had a great voice and he was ha- happiest at his group home which we'll talk about in a little bit uh one of his friends said that he heard a girl singing at at this home casa pacifica where they were staying Mm -hmm. and she was like he was like "Mm, that's really good now let me show you how it's done and just this huge voice (laughs) came out from larry so we can see that larry wanted to start loved being in the spotlight um, 
Now, at a very, very early age, Larry began showing feminine traits. And, you know, that's not very good, especially when you're going on into middle school. Okay. No, because that's the age that kids are mean and kids are even meaner at that age because they don't understand what's going on with them. Right. Selves and they don't understand other people. So it's just bad. And their hormones are raging and they have all of these feelings, but they don't know how to just like if they have harmful or bad feelings, they don't know how to cope or discuss. If they have these hormonal sexual feelings, they don't know how to cope or discuss. So, but in the 10th, he, okay, so Larry failed first grade. And in the third grade, he started um, telling people that he was gay. Mm -hmm. And some of his counselors or some grownups that he trusted was asking him, like, well, what does that mean? And he was, well, I like boys, but um, he hadn't even kissed the boy. Or It's it's a huge thing I, at that age, between the age of 8 to 13. Kids, and we know this because we're, we're teachers, and creepers who are teachers out there, you know this very well. Kids process adult stuff in different ways. Like, I thought that I was gay when I was eight years old. I told my mom crying that I was gay. Me, gay. Let me just sit with that with you for just a little bit. for the creepers that don't know Rainy, I'm waiting for the hilarity of laughing coming up on the screen. It is not coming. However, no, because this was the, everybody was listening to your story. Oh, right okay. There, like listening in there, you got them drawn in. Okay, so I remember telling my mom, <laughs> "Thank you, mom. I'm gay," and I'm pretty sure she had the same reaction. Like, but it, I didn't understand what that word meant. I just thought that gay meant loving someone of the same sex as you, and I loved my best friend. I loved her. I always wanted to be around her. I didn't want anything to happen to her. Like I saw that as love from my parents. And because I loved my best friend, I was like, I'm gay. Like this is how preteens and teenagers process things. It's way different than we, than adults process things. So, I don't know, I'm sure that Larry realized that he wasn't like everybody else, but if he didn't have any attachment to grown-ups, right, he didn't understand or had anybody that he could talk to about his feelings and his emotions. And he didn't understand what was happening. He might have not been gay, just confused, really. Okay. And he had never bonded with anybody. So right. Except his brother. Is this somebody he's bonding with? So is it true? Is it love feelings? Or is he in love? Or he's just 
he's just so happy that, you know, he's having feelings for somebody. Other than fear. Well, because now at around the age of 12, and it is often said that it is because of his effeminate behavior or effeminate characteristics, there were claims of chemical, of chemical, of physical abuse towards Larry from his stepfather, Greg. Mm Kind of like, I'm sorry, from his adoptive father, Greg. Kind of like, I'm going to beat the gay out of you. Oh, no. Um, But that has never been, let's see, um, people have said that they saw bruises on Larry. 22 complaints of abuse. 22 complaints of abuse? There was... And he was still with them? Yes, there was... Instances of abuse and con- uh, neglect, but Greg to this day, his, his, um, adoptive father challenges those allegations. He says that they, they never happened. But what did happen was that not Greg, but Larry was charged and arrested for vandalism and stealing. Food from his own refrigerator. He was That's ridiculous. He was, I guess, the police, the step, uh, uh, adoptive parents called for him to have arrested because he stole from them. He stole food, which, if you think about it, the way that he grew up, he didn't know when he was going to have food, so he and was probably stockpiling food. Yeah, so he could eat again, um, so he'd know when he was going to eat again. Right. And then he was then placed in a group home. It was a shelter for abused and neglected kids. It was a group home and a treatment center. Not because they thought he was being abused at home, but because that was a part of his probation, was to go to coffee. Casa Pacifica. Oh, okay. Now, Casa Pacifica, what, which is really translated called a peaceful home, was one of the best things that could have happened to Larry because he found a home there. He, he was happiest there. He really came into who he was there and he became more confident and more of who he really was. That's when he was 12 years old. So then he began to, he started going to E.O. Green Junior High School. Now, this is a little town outside of Los Angeles, um, outside of uh, Ventura called Oxnard. But that's where uh, Larry went to junior high school. And his brother, who was one or two years under him, maybe in the seventh grade or the sixth grade, because, you know, I don't know how they do, like, ours goes up to sixth grade, but, like, when I was, when I was in California, sixth, seventh, and eighth was considered junior high. Well, even LaFouche Parish is, um... Sixth, seventh, and eighth. Sixth, seventh, and eighth is together. Right. The so, elementary schools in that... So... Yeah. I wasn't, I'm thinking that this was only seventh and eighth, Mm -hmm. but, um, he made, Larry made many close friends. They were girls. 
But again, he was often bullied and talked about, made fun of. But that didn't um, stop him from becoming his true self because, like I said, Cafe Pacifica helped him to develop who he wanted to be. And he was around people who loved him. And in his support group, he can talk about, you know, his real feelings and his true identity. So his authentic self. His authentic. Just be yourself. Just, just be yourself. yourself. Okay. So January fourteenth, uh, two thousand eight. Uh, Larry celebrated his fifteenth birthday. Was and Larry is separated from his brother. That's what Mickey wants to know. Was he separated from Bio brother? No, both of his adopted parents took both of them in. Oh, well, good. That's how. They, that's what they should. Now, once he turned 15 in January, Larry took his identity a little bit further because it was then that he began wearing women's clothing and accessories. And he had, he went to Target and got some, um, black high heel shoes and boots. And he got makeup and he wanted to start being LaCalle. Uh, he wanted the, his teachers to start calling him Letitia. Now, this was about a week and a half before his murder. Oh, um, so this Letitia character was, he considered her his alter ego. Like he felt he was strong and confident and that he belonged when Letitia was out. So like he turned 15 and that's when Letitia came out. And I think his new temporary guardians um, had given him some makeup for Christmas Aww. that he had wanted to try. Now. So they were very supportive. Yeah. So a friend at Casa Pacifica Richard, he said that they would get a chance to like go when a when a new shipment of clothes came in that was donated. They could get a chance to go and look through it and find things that they wanted to wear. And Richard said that Larry would always want to go to the girls' clothes because I'm sure. And people were asking him why, and he was just like, "Cause that's who I am, and I'm gonna be who I want to be." He's just gonna be himself. And then with the makeup, he came out and showed his uh, foster mom or his legal guardian at the time, Tracy Gold, Tracy Carroll, what she thought of how he put on his makeup. And she was like, you look like a clown. <laughs> we have to help you. She said the makeup was too much, but that she was going to show him how to she was going to show him how to put the makeup on correctly Aww. and so that he could, so he won't be teased just for having bad makeup, right? Now, again, I said this was a week and a half before his murder. Now, he also started when he was in this alter ego of wearing makeup, wearing these high heel boots, wearing accessories, putting on the makeup. That's when he started asking teachers to call him Letitia. He couldn't decide between a La Latoya, Latanya, or Letitia. 
because it needs to be said Larry was half African American and the love part just made him like a, a strong superwoman. Okay. Mickey was just asking if, if he had decided on his um, pronouns. And I told her that, um, no, he was in between names. Right. What he wanted to be called at the time of his murder. So for this purpose, we're calling him Larry. So we don't get confused on who we're talking. Right. About. Because <laughs> he was asked, he was at the uh, point of asking his teachers to call him Letitia. Some people did, some people didn't, and he wasn't all out dressing all the day. He had come out gay when he was 10, but he wasn't in full effect yet, I guess. And there were some reasons for that, and we're going to talk about those reasons right now. So it was obvious from everyone that Larry was. Because, you know, all schools have dress code policies. Mm -hmm. And when this started to happen, Larry was given permission by the school to dress in this manner. They said it was not a a violation of dress code because of the California Anti-Defamation Law prevents or discriminates on gender, which includes gender identity. So they were saying, we can't discriminate that this kid wants to wear makeup because if we do it for the girls, we have to do it for the boys, right? Totally understandable. Makes sense, makes sense. But it, some teachers complained that Larry's choice of his attire was becoming distracting. Um, it's obvious, and it, and it obviously was because number one, multiple teachers complained to the principals or the higher up, and even some students came to depl- to complain. And it was said that in an email sent out on June, July, January 29th, eighth grade assistant principal Sue Parsons issued a formal notice through email to all of her teachers. So the principal sent this email. Yes. So all this is the teachers. Her, the eighth grade assistant principal. They probably have one like South Down had where it's like elementary has lower. one. Yeah. yeah. So this was the eighth grade assistant principal, Sue Parsons. And this was in 2008. Eight. And I feel like that's very important because this is where 2022 is very different than right. 2008. Right. So here's the email. We have a student on campus who has chosen to express his sexuality by wearing makeup. It is his choice to do this. Some kids are finding it amusing others and others are bothered by it. As long as it doesn't cause classroom disru- disruptions, He is within his right. We are asking you to talk to your students about being civil and non-judgmental. They don't have to like it, but they need to give him his space. We are also asking you to watch for possible problems. And if you wish to talk to me further about this, please see me and or and then uh, some other lady. Now. Here's where things took turn because 
with this, Nicole, I want to get to your thoughts. What What is your thoughts? Creepers, put on what your thoughts are of that email being sent to the teachers. First of all, okay. At that time in 2008, I think it would have been appropriate for the principal to send that email out. But I also think that they should have met Larry, Shore, Letitia. They should have met. They should have met with them, the student, the teachers, the principal, the assistant principal, and had like a conversation, and then like brought in like the kids or like talked to the kids and stuff. Like making boundaries. Like we're gonna allow you to do this, but. If this happens, then you lost your privilege or something like that. No, or I think, like more I just as feel a like intervention. Listening to the email that the principal wrote to the teacher, it was putting a lot on that teacher's shoulder. I agree. And I don't agree with that because, um, and it wasn't just one teacher, but he. Yeah, it was but like it's like okay, all the teachers that this deal is what y'all gonna do, and then y'all gonna have to, you know, deal, deal with, with the it, consequences. Deal with the consequences, and I just think like, where were the other people involved in a situation like this? And even now, I feel like we got enough to deal with. Now you have enough one to deal more. with. And I've talked to people at other schools that have dealt with transgender kids and how they deal with it because I just wanted to know how like a high school and a junior high dealt with it and they said you know they take it very serious but this is 2008 I don't like it I don't like how the principal dealt with it I feel like it just left the teacher and the, and the kid and all the rest of the kids like it just it wasn't enough support for anybody it seemed like it was some support but it wasn't they weren't actively telling you let me say it like this it seems like it was very political correct it was very PC. but very PC. did it help the outcome is what i was thinking the whole thing so let's go back and kind of chop this all up um we Ooh, have a, i like what the creepers are saying oh please right tell now. me please tell me we have Danielle saying that they should be happy. So there was some parents should be happy the child is attending school. Now I take it back. They were trying to be proactive in a sense. Mm-hmm. Mickey said, so basically shut up and let them live how they want to. Chelsea said, I think it's too vague. And I don't think the, the student should have been singled out. Good point. Yeah. Uh, Jenny, I think that the principal was okay by sending that out. However, they should have had talked to several of the student body about it. Also. Agreed. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good point. Yes, Emily Casey, definitely they should have had some sort of support team put in there. All right, well we know you can't do that. You only have one counselor if that if all at a school. And Danielle saying in two thousand eight, uh Leticia Leticia was Leticia. more than Leticia was more than likely not a common person to come across. They needed to do more research and maybe have not just had the principal come in. Absolutely. Correct. Because, I mean, in 2008, you couldn't even right. marry if you were a lesbian right. or a gay right. person. So here's here's what I deduced from and my thoughts on the whole thing, okay? Um, first of all, um, we have a who has chosen to express their sex, uh, sexuality by mar- wearing makeup and it is his choice to do so. Okay. Is this fair? 
because you're in a house with a uh, 13, 12, 13, 14 years old. What if a guy, what if a young boy hormones out the wazoo, um, came around and felt it was necessary to express his, uh, act, uh, sexuality by grabbing some girl's butt or rubbing his hands across her shoulders or even going this way. And he could say, well, I'm just expressing my sexuality. That kid would get in a hell of a lot more trouble. Yes. Okay. So is it fair to say that Larry can express his sexuality? Okay. Because remember, the law also says that he can't be discriminated for his sexual identity nor um, gender. Well, if a boy wanted to go and cop a field to a girl, can't discriminate against his no. gender. Okay. Secondly, when asking the teachers, if you see a problem, let us know. Yeah, let us know. We are always we are asking you to watch for possible problems. Bitch, you know po- problems are going to come up, and yet again, you're putting something on the teachers' plate. That could easily be taken by you, the administrator, the boss. Make a decision, okay? That is not in our pay. That that was not in those teachers' pay. That is above our pay grade, okay? And I, I just wondering if it could or would have made a difference if if they did that, if the higher ups, you know, spoke about it instead of just letting the teachers. Uh, in the email, it says they don't have to like it, but they need to give him his space. Now, my question is, does Larry have to follow this rule, too? Does Larry have to follow the fact that not many of people, not many people are going to like it, but just give them their space? Because as you will see, that's not what happened. Just give him his space. Just give him his space. Well, and um, who's giving who space? And it's just too much for a teacher to have to deal with teaching, counseling, coping with these children, talking to them about what's going on in their insides, what's their uh, thought and feeling. That's not a teacher's job. That is mental health, social worker. They need to get it done. I I really strongly feel. Uh, believe that this school was not only not equipped or prepared to deal with something like this. And here's a couple of things. A teacher, Jill Ekman, Ekman, testified in court that the first day that Larry wore makeup, she told him to wash it off, and he did. Now, remember, it was as long as it doesn't cause a distraction. Okay. And what's the definition of a distraction? Well, I, I guess like a distra- distraction in the classroom. Like uh, he could do it as long as. Or people, oh, are they talking like. Like. There should have been much better boundaries. Right. Kids. Right. Now, in an article in Newsweek called Young, Gay, and Murdered, Larry was asked by his special ed teacher why he taunted the boy so much. And she said. 
his words were, it's fun to watch them squirm. Now you may be asking yourself, why would Larry need a special education teacher? Well, I'm glad you asked, Nicole. Because of his ADHD-ness and his inability to attach to anyone, they made an IEP plan for him. In his IEP plan, one of his behaviors was to not be attention-seeking. And that was one of the goals that he was working towards. Okay. So that was a problem for him. So they had to do, they had to write a behavior plan based on his. He was, his behavior plan (laughs) was working on his issues, drawing attention to himself. That was a part of the IEP. And again, let me remind you again that this was supposed to happen as long as there was no distractions. No distractions. Well, Larry's brother, Rocky, who was 12 at the time, asked officials and Mrs. Epstein to please stop Larry from dressing like a girl because he started getting bullied and others were calling him gay. Those are some pretty big distractions that are That's happening. a distraction in my book. So... So Chelsea thinks that she has a feeling and he's going to start harassing straight boys. And then your mama's like, it's not just putting more on the teacher, but the classroom teacher doesn't have the professional training. Right. Because we're supposed to educate the kids. Exactly. Not be able to police or counsel their every move. Jenny Smith. I love Jenny Smith. She said, well, that throws a wrench in the situation. Right. I mean, you know, if he's a special ed kid, he has rights. Right. And. But I've always said, I, and don't get me wrong, I love my special ed kids. And you do. I, I, you do. I really do. But when their behavior mm-hmm. of a special ed kid starts hindering the behavior of all the other kids, that's not fair because they come to school to learn as well. Now, Brandon's friend brought up this point and it was very interesting. Brandon's friends said the dress code violation was actually a double standard to them because Larry could wear makeup, high heel boots, earrings, and accessorize his his uniform. But one time he wore an undershirt because their shirts were white collared, had to be white collared. And he had worn an undershirt with a black flag on it saying punk rock band. And this flag was visibly through seen through the uniform. And when he was called out about it, he was like, dude, look, look, it's an undershirt. I'll just take off the undershirt. They said, nope. And he was suspended. Over a shirt. Over a shirt. Now, why? This was before he he said that he was a a girl, right? No, this was another student, a friend's of... Another student. Right, a friend's of Brandon. But the principal didn't send an email about that child. Right. It was only okay for Larry. But 
they said we can't discriminate their attire over gender identity or or we can't discriminate. This is discriminating because they're saying, hey, sorry, you can't wear that. Then why can't they go to Larry and say, hey, sorry, you can't wear that. That's distracting. I feel, I just feel it should be all the same, yeah, same for absolutely. everyone. Chelsea had said in the, um, the comments that she didn't like the way the email was worked. I agree completely with that. Right. Well, here's another thing is that when asked about why could Larry do it and other kids couldn't, here's what her response was. Larry was uh, had only accessorized his uniform for two weeks prior to the murder. And she had called the district for clarification on the dress code policy. Girls, they asked her, can girls, is there something in the policy that says girls can't wear makeup? She said no. Then he said, okay, well, you, you can't tell him that he can't wear makeup due to S. Bill 777, which was you can't discriminate against a gen, gen, uh, gender identity or a transgender gender. student, okay? And that's okay. But it might be important to understand here, because I found out this way later in, in the case, Joy Epstein and Larry had a very uh, comfortable conversa conversation. He felt, what do we call it when a kid gets upset or like has to get kicked out of class? A mentor, a mentor class where he has to go to that person's class yeah. just to get, you know, just to calm down. Well, right. For Larry, this was Joy Miss Epstein, who was the assistant principal. Joy Epstein was a lesbian and it wasn't a secret, but she was a lesbian and she felt she could empathize with it, with Larry. Some people, including Larry's father, adoptive father says that Joy Epstein was just using his son to, he was just using him as a scapegoat, if you will, or a poster child. Yes. Okay. Now, the school was protecting Larry's rights to express himself. But this is what gets me, what makes me angry and made me kind of flip a little bit. Though Larry's rights were being followed. Absolutely. What about all of the other Kids is right to feel comfortable because once Larry was given the go ahead, he really started shoving his sexuality in in the other people's face. And again, if this was a girl who was shoving her sexuality in people's faces by, you know, making her, I don't know about. At Edie White, we would roll our skirts up to make make them a little bit shorter. Have the button um, collar, but like maybe one button might have not been right. But that would have been okay, according to 
you can't society standards at that time. Right. And here's what else. This gets difficult. Larry was also harassing his classmates. Now, two wrongs don't make a right. No. But I'm wondering if his outwardness came from being bullied. Like, they're going to try and hurt me, but I'm not going to let them. So I'm just going to do it more. But then I go back to his IEP, which is a binding legal document, and he was working towards the goal of bringing down the attention upon himself. And it seems like it just escalated when he was given the permission to dress like he wanted to. I love that, Rainy. Go back to the IEP, because it's a court-mandated document. Right. And his fed teacher said, well, there was two things that I thought that she said that was phenomenal. Number one, we were working towards that goal and he wasn't achieving it because he was given permission not to do so. And then number two, she said that had Larry been in her class that year, because she was his special education teacher in seventh grade and now he was in eighth grade. She said, had he been in her class, she would have worked with him to curb his escalating behavior. This right. is so crazy, yeah. Rainy. Yeah. The school should the school did not hang over the right way. No. They were very, very ill prepared. Very, very. So as I said before, the school was following SB seven 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 and stated they would not tolerate discrimination against gender identity or sexual orientation in the educational environment. That was the bill that the state legislature had just passed, um, that no student could be discriminated against in an educational environment. So that's why they had to allow him to continue to dress how he felt comfortably. Because, But here's the kicker. Larry was not so innocent because he was doing some harassing of his own. Mm. For example, in the locker room, he would tell the other boys that they were attractive. And um, this was all while they were undressing. And some students who told their teachers that in the hallway, Larry would tell the other boys, Larry would tell other boys, I know you want me. Now, devil's advocate, could this be a reaction to the bullying he received? Like, they would say something mean to him, um, like, under their breath or whatever, and so he'd be like, oh, I know you want me. But those instances did come into court Mm -hmm. because there were witnesses who testified that they had heard it. Well, and that's how kids are. A kid is going to try to aggravate another kid. But even with this situation... And then saying, I'm just messing. It was just a joke. So this behavior increased in aggression from the male students. And then Larry's behavior increased. um, But Larry had a target. And his target was Brandon McInerney. And I hate that he was getting bullied and stuff. But then he was... Larry had a target. Letitia had a target. She was also bullied. Right. 
All right, creepers. So we are a little bit past an hour. And before we, I start telling you about Brandon, we are right in the middle. Um, I think. Is this going to be a two quarter right? It's going to be a two Oh, so yeah. We're Let's right see where. Middle. Where our creepers are at, because I've jumped all the way around. Yeah. And like I've commented and people have commented. Yeah, because this case kind of has a lot of different elements that I still want to unpack for y'all. And y'all know me. When I get into a case, I want to give you all the information. I try to give you every little piece so that you can get a full picture of the story. And we've heard one side, we've heard Larry's story and Larry's side. So I think I want to save Brandon's story and Brandon's side for next week. Or even maybe we can um finish it up this weekend or something. Mickey says, to be continued, I am torn, I see both sides. I mean, those both of them. So maybe we can pick it up in a couple of days or over the weekend. Absolutely. So let's stop it right there. And uh Nicole, final thoughts. Well, when I was going in, of course, I felt sorry for Letitia. You know, I want everybody to feel comfortable in their own shoes and comfortable with themselves. Um, I feel like that's their right, their basic right. But you can't go to school and not, but give us a 14, 13, 14 year old. Yeah, I agree. It's really tough. But I must tell you, it's going to be a little bit tougher once you hear Brandon's story and Brandon's side. So I'm curious to see where everybody ends up um, at the end of this case. But as always, if you listen to our podcast, please send it around to your family and friends. The words, words get out. Uh, remember to subscribe. Subscribe, <laughs> rate, and review. That's going to get us higher the algorithm. Those of you who are watching us live, you know, every Thursday you can come into True Crime and Creepy Time group and watch us live. For those of you who are listening on the podcast, you can also join us on our Facebook group every Thursday night at 7 and get your thoughts about what case we're discussing in. Or you can hit us up on Twitter at True Crime Chats, Instagram and TikTok at True underscore Crime underscore Chats, or our email CreeperChats at gmail.com. Woo! She's got a little cheat sheet, yeah. but she did it. Yay! So go ahead and hit us up. We'd love to hear from you. But until then, Creepers, just remember to keep on creeping on, and we'll see you next week.